Going on an adventure with people who make things in the comfort of our own hearing. It's broken. What am I actually doing? Okay, let's just go through this logically. Okay. A, this is a podcast. B, if you can hear it, you're listening. C, I've got to say something to settle this whole thing up. D, what is that? E, it's a conversation with a writer named Joe Gatford. And it's really good. It's quite a giggly and occasionally sweary chat. We talk a little bit about Joe's writing um, and her novel and stuff like earning a living from being a writer. And we talk about Writers HQ, which is the writing support community, for want of a better term, that she started with Sarah Lewis. And they offer retreats and online courses for people who want to write but don't have a lot of money or a lot of time. And they do really good stuff. And I really wanted to understand where that comes from in Joe. Like, why bother? Why bother helping anyone else out? Seriously. You know, do your own thing, right? Whatevs. But actually, that's what creative people do an awful lot. They help each other out. And we also talk about the uh, bullshit ideas about writing and what it is to be uh, and what it is to write. So we had quite a long conversation. um, So I've really got to keep this short. In fact, Necessarily your work, although you know that as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's just a list of words. Do it, just do it. free association. Yeah. Go for it. Sweary. Yes. Real. Oh, real. Practical. Okay. You're accessible in how you talk about things. Um, you're unpretentious. <laughs> <laughs> Encouraging and enthusiastic. Well, that's my Aww. experience of you. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. Well, that's good. I think it's part of your brand. Yeah. 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 Do you... I'd go with that. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. That's just you doing what you do. Do you call yourself a writer? Uh, <laughs> yes. Uh, depends who's asking, really. Okay. Um, uh, yes. Can I... Yes? No. Yes. I had sort of defined it by whether I make money off it, which in terms of actual creative writing, no. Um, royalty statement is really, really disappointing whenever I get one. Um, actually, I make a lot more off library rentals than actual sales, which is interesting. So if you have anything published, whether it's a short story or an article or anything, um, register it with the... Uh, oh, is it the... What's it is it the thing, the, the National Library... No, is that it? No. This is really helpful that I can't remember the name of the thing. Look it up. Yeah, it's... Uh, is this the process that you went through with um, your novel then? Yeah. This, yeah. And with everything. Um, and they will chase up the royalties for things for you. Uh, okay. And then you just get it put in your account. And you don't know where it comes from. It's just great. Wow. It's like, wow. Like, is that the first time you, you hear it? That, you know, you see it, you just get a thing. You, do, you, uh, you don't get like a little thing in the, the post saying, 
royalty <laughs> statement. Giant like, check. Yeah, yeah. Giant check. I did get a giant check once. Did you? Yeah. What was your giant check? I didn't check get to keep for? it though, it was really disappointing. Well, I just, uh, my, I, mean, <laughs> I just wanted to take it to the bank and like, <laughs> rolled up under my arm, but no. Uh, <laughs> um, I need the giant cashing counter. <laughs> the really big envelope slot. Um, no, it, for my novel, I won a prize, I won my publishing contract. Yeah. Uh, and there was a giant check. It was a giant check. Yeah. What was um, the experience of winning the, that prize? <laughs> really, really surreal because I did not, and everyone says, oh, I really didn't think I was going to win, but I really genuinely didn't. I'd, I'd got long listed for another publishing prize a few months before and hadn't made the shortlist. And that was the first time ever that I had been totally gutted by rejection. Because generally I'm quite um, thick skinned, rejections bounce off, it's fine. So just keep going, keep going, it'll happen, it'll happen. And that one really hit me because it was so close and it was a really good agency and it was a good, I was like really excited and didn't get it. And I cried. You were destroyed. And I thought, am I, you know, should I keep trying? Is this worth it? Am I good enough? And not in a, that I normally think I'm great and it's brilliant and I should, you know, I'm going to be famous. But I've always had a sort of um, determination. Bloody-mindedness, I think, is what you need. Rather, it's not necessarily the same as self-confidence. It's just, I'm going to fucking do this, <laughs> no matter what. Anyway, so that one gutted me. And then, soon after that, I got shortlisted for the next one. Um, and... But in response to the first rejection, I was like, right, I'm not going to pin anything on this. It's just something that's happened. It's really cool. We'll go to the shortlisting awards ceremony, get some free drinks. It's brilliant. <laughs> Made an utter tit of myself <laughs> immediately walking in. Because it was in the upstairs in this pub and uh, we'd gone up to London after work. We hadn't had time to get any food. So we're like, right, let's get some chips. Okay, let's get some chips. And they said, where are you sitting? Upstairs. They handed me this plant, like a pot plant. Is this their spoon with a number on it system? I don't know. I still <laughs> don't know. It was tree. a proper tree. Right. It was like a foot high. And uh, and I'm not many feet higher than that. Um, so I went upstairs holding this tree and was introduced to the CEO of this publishing house <laughs> holding a tree. He had no idea why. It was fine. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and you're... I carried a watermelon, mate. It really was. Yeah. yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then we spent the rest of the night just sitting in a corner drinking and um, really thinking that we were just here for, for the free wine. And, uh, and then they started reeling off the names kind of in reverse order and my name kept not being called. Oh, it was one of those moments. Yeah. And then it was top three. And I was like, shoot, top two. And they didn't read my name. And then I just started punching my husband repeatedly in the shoulder. <laughs> And uh, until, yeah, I had to go up and get this giant check. So it was proper bizarre. Wow. Yeah. And, and what's, what's the effect of that? So you weren't expecting it and you clearly, um, previously to that, put a lot on, you, yeah. you know, being up for these things. Yeah. What, it was, what well, it wasn't way? traditional route as well because I didn't go... I didn't have an agent. I still don't have an agent. Any agents? Hi. Um, uh, so, you know, obviously there's a different route normally where you get an agent, the agent submits to publishers, and then there's a whole process. So this was straight to publisher, which was quite odd. Um, and I did then get lots of advice from some very friendly agents who 
helped me out. Um, yes, it was very, very quick. And then obviously the process is then very, very long after that. Um, mm. It's not, here you go, your book's here. A uh, long process, more editing and decisions yeah. and things. So I did feel a bit alone because I had no one to navigate it with. Um, so you had no sort of barometer of like, is this the process? Should it take this on? What's expected of me? What should it's, I expect of them? And just bounce those stupid questions yeah. off that I'm sure agents just get their needy writers. Am <laughs> 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 I good enough? Uh, yes. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about your sort of internal experience? What difference did the winning that make to you? Uh, it's been, I mean, it hasn't... It, hasn't been an international bestseller mm. uh it was a small it was a small press and you know marketing is not massively budgeted mm. um so it exists <laughs> <laughs> and i am proud of it i haven't actually read it in a while i'm kind of scared of going back to read it because now i would probably write a completely different book but that, i think that's true of any book you write yeah that years on you would write a different book um, and uh, it definitely, definitely opened more doors along the way mm. and allowed me to apply for things. Like, and I got an Arts Council grant shortly after that um, to help me write the next novel. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's good to have. Yes. Um, In- encouraging? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Although then all anyone says to you is, are you writing the next one? When's the next one coming out? It's like having babies. As soon as you popped one out, they're like, when are you having another one? Jesus, give me a break. <laughs> Let me recover yeah. from this one. I suppose that's really kind of quite a pathetic thing to say. And it puts lots more expectation on you. I'm a published author. Um, I don't think, I don't know. I don't feel any different in that. Like, mm. Not that I thought there was going to be this massive validation. Maybe if it had been, you know huge mm. that might give you a different sense of I don't know do you have That's a sense of expectation about yourself you describe like hearing or feeling that sometimes <laughs> from other people but do you have it upon yourself a sense of <laughs> come on Joe, what are you doing yes yeah no my my that inner voice is probably stronger than anyone else's but mm. then I, I'm really good at procrastinating mm. which is what writers HQ is sort of we don't encourage it we enable it <laughs> possibly we call it productive procrastination so that you're doing something that is beneficial to the yeah. overall creativity but isn't actually what you should be doing um so i'm really good at that uh between that novel and this i finished a degree and then took an ma so that's master level procrastination there um so yeah i feel like that's my excuse for not finishing the book in terms of putting like an identifiable container around your procrastination, yeah. you really did that in a lying way. I was for six years, man. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, earlier on, you said um, you were kind of committed to to writing, but you described it in a way of, as not being self confident, but just out of sheer bloody mindedness. Yes. Would you go on? <laughs> is there a difference? And my question <gasps> is, where mm. where does the self belief for that come? come from yeah yeah there is yeah because the opposite to that I think is somebody who is not open to criticism and has that sort of self-belief where they think oh I'm great and if you don't like it then that's your problem or that's the industry's problem or you know it's it's someone else's problem it's not me right it's not 
about me potentially improving my writing or adapting what I do to be better. So that re real um, self, the, 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 <laughs> the kind of self-belief that is all about self, like my experience, yeah. my what I know, um, yeah. and I don't need anything else. I think you said take, earlier, like, take. me against the world, and that's... Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, which I don't think is productive. <laughs> no, I'd agree. <laughs> you know, but you have to have a certain... But then the other side of that, and which we encounter a lot with Writers HQ, is, is the person who goes, oh, I want to write a novel, but I'm not good enough. And again, that's completely useless, because... No one else is going to write that novel, and you don't need anybody else's validation. You don't need anybody else's sort of encouragement to do that because you have to have a certain amount of self belief to 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 do that thing. Um, and if you pin everything on the feedback of other people and you constantly need that praise, then you're going to run out, and and the people around you are going to run out of encouragement at some point. Yes, and it is a kind of a lonely process. You have to. You have yeah. to have just enough belief that, yeah, I can do this. Or if I can't do this now, then I can learn and improve and get to the point where I can do this. But have just enough self-deprecation that you can take on criticism without falling to pieces. Mm. Which is a really sweet spot. It is a sweet spot. And <laughs> hearing you describe that, I picture a balance between, you know, it's the self and other thing. I have enough mm. sense of what's mine to do in the writing I want to do yeah. um, and I also recognise that um, I need something from other people but I can't be dependent fully on what I get from other people I have to have enough self like resolve and yeah. discipline to kind of carve my own path yeah and it is really hard because you know if, uh, reading anything you've written and trying to make an objective judgment of is this good well it's completely mm. subjective and uh, the best way Actually, the best sort of method of thickening my writer's skin was in short fiction and flash fiction. Because um, another procrastinatory action uh, was... Procrastinatory? It's a word. Look it up. It's fine. Um, in, uh, when I was editing the first novel, and that took me three years as well. <sighs> so, uh, yeah, I needed a break. So I would occasionally just write short fiction and flash fiction. And I, had a, I was part of a little writing group which was great. Um, so I wrote loads and loads and loads of short fiction uh, as a break because editing, you know, you're going over the same stuff over and over again and sometimes you just need to write something new. Mm -hmm. So that was the antidote. Um, and some other writers I knew were encouraging me to send them out to lit mags and competitions and I sort of entered into that world which is an amazing candy land of writer, writerliness. Um, and it is really brilliant. It's And again, it's it's editors publishing these mags for free. They're doing all the work, you know. Um, it's That is where your community is as a writer, I would say. Short fiction. Um, because novel writing is a long old road. And, mm. you know, uh, unless you've got an agent and a publisher, you don't have that feedback. Short fiction. There's so many short fiction writers out there. And lit mags and mm. there's a lot of love. Um, yeah, so and the thing about sending out short fiction is it's entirely subjective. And it's not always about the quality. So you send out a story that you're really proud of to a certain magazine and they say, thanks, but no thanks. Doesn't mean it's shit. Means that that particular editor 
doesn't like stories written in second person or they've already accepted a story about cats and they don't want another one mm. or they've already accepted five stories that follow a certain theme and yours just doesn't and you know it might be the quality <laughs> it might be <laughs> yeah but if it is they're they're more likely to 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 say so you do get more feedback from short fiction editors yeah. i think uh, and if they like it They'll say, oh, we really like this, not quite right for this edition, but please send us something else. So you get everything you need from that, I think. You get the encouragement, you get used to rejection, because if you send out enough stories, you will get rejected mm. regularly. <laughs> <laughs> and then it becomes like, okay, not that didn't work, let's find a new home for it. And yeah. Send it out again, do some editing, send it out again. That's, um, it's interesting to hear you compare that to the, the longer road of writing a novel because perhaps when some people start a, a creative practice whether it's writing or otherwise but in this case writing yeah the dream is I want to write my novel my thing it's this huge thing that's mm. a huge task isn't it to, to, to even get to the end of having something and then trying to find a place where it can yeah. live but the short fiction the flash fiction thing I yeah I'm interested in that provides very quick feedback doesn't it you learn yeah. quickly yeah maybe uh, it's just that I'm really impatient well I think there's <laughs> I think there's value to that like especially if you're starting out and you haven't figured uh, you know thickened the skin or mm. figured out what it, <clears throat> things are that you're interested in writing and those kinds of things yeah. um, before committing yourself to this huge thing uh, like a novel that actually yeah. getting used to those things. Um, it's like trying to, you know, I don't know, exercise analogy. Mm -hmm. Couch potato, I'm just going to go and do a marathon. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's, it's, it's couch to 5k of, of story writing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, what a tagline. Nice. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and um, in, I think short fiction and flash fiction is, um, it gets in your head and you end up finding yourself writing about deeply psychological things that you didn't realise you were actually writing about and you write about them again and again and again and that can help you figure out in terms of writing a novel that fundamental nugget mm. of human truth mm. which is at the heart of that and it's like oh I'm writing about betrayal I keep writing these stories about betrayal or abandonment or mm. you know and, and you think oh maybe that's what my story is that's what I need to write about and there's I, we had this conversation a little while ago about trauma and, and, and horrible things that happen to you um, that does writing help mm. and yes I mean it's not going to fix it and it's not a, you know it's not therapy uh, but I'm still writing about things that happened 15 years ago and I still haven't found a way to write about it in a way that I want to write about it but that's fueling something yes that term, you know, the fundamental nugget of human yeah. truth thing. That's um, <clears throat> that's that's something you talk a lot about, and it, it, it's I, when when you say that, I picture it's that really squishy bit <laughs> right in the heart yeah. of your soul that goes, oh yes, it's that, yeah. and I've got to figure out a way to express that in a way that can convey to someone else the same quality of meaning yeah. that I have about it. Yeah, um, and that's a really good point actually about writing. Is again feels like it's the feedback thing, the quick ball, the, the learning thing, doing lots of things and, and spotting patterns mm. about it um, and then building 
greater efforts on the basis of what's meaningful and also maybe where your strengths are in yes. articulating that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And that's I think yeah. that's really, really useful instead of going for the big guns and yeah. floundering around, <laughs> you know, kind of wondering what you're doing. And it's really hard to, you, you know, you don't start off saying, I'm going to write about the redemptive power of love. You yeah. write a story yeah. about two characters who fancy each other and, you know, and it comes about in the writing and you only realise that afterwards or while you're editing you go, oh that's I have a theme yes. I have motifs clever me I'm so going just to just want to put in that Joe's doing quotation air air quotes air, uh, which come up an awful <laughs> lot in these conversations and I think we might actually have to have an air quote tone yeah <laughs> thinking about the theme thing idea that you can pick your theme before you write the story. Yeah. <laughs> no. That's something I learned that was <laughs> not true. You can't force that and yeah, hearing you describe it, it's true. You you'll you'll know what your story's about when you read it back. Yeah. I mean I think I think the more you write, the more you recognise mm. what you're doing. Mm. Uh doesn't mean you know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> but you it comes quicker. Yeah. Along the way. And you go, ah, okay. Do you have a sense of what's your, air quotes, <laughs> wheelhouse thematically? Like, uh, or are you toiling over? <laughs> yeah, then it becomes a little bit, uh, yeah, psychological. And you go, oh, mm. that's what's wrong with me. Um, <laughs> it's, it's not wrong, it's just, it yeah. just is. <laughs> well, yeah, it just is. I, yeah, I think there's a kind of weird abandonment thing going on. So my first novel was about um, uh, a man with dementia and he, looking back on his family and all the things he'd done wrong uh, and his son coming to terms with mourning somebody that he never really liked and the nature of the nature of what it is to be human and love. You know, mm. do you love somebody, a family member who is difficult <laughs> to love but you can't detach yourself from that person because they're your family. Um, so how do you cope with that? Um, and then the novel that I'm writing now is uh, about a girl who, in a post-apocalyptic situation, sort of rejects humanity because everything she's seen after the end of the world is just that humans are inherently terrible. <laughs> and there's another character who counterbalances that in that he believes that humans are inherently good and that we will help each other and we will rebuild a community and they both turn out to be right and wrong at the end so okay yeah <laughs> so and, and those those feel <clears throat> like they're coming from um some same source within you in terms of your interests and yeah i think what you're I, wrestling with i'm really fascinated with <laughs> i sound like an alien i'm really fascinated <laughs> about humans <laughs> i like humans i think they're really interesting um, which is totally what a robot would not say um that <laughs> yeah. crap that robot. <laughs> Alien ambassador. I like you humans. Yes, Sorry, us I'm, humans. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hello, fellow humans. Um, do you ever have those days where you're sitting on a bus and you look around and you go, aren't humans brilliant? Like, they're just... Even the ugly ones are beautiful and they're just so clever and 
subtle and multifaceted and human existence is amazing. And other days where you look around and you go, we are filth. <laughs> we should be exterminated, <laughs> every last one of us. Yeah. We are just inherently selfish animals. Yeah. I never seem to have anything in between. It's one or the other. Makes me think about your description of your two different novels. And I don't know if I'm being simplistic here, but you describe um, both of your novels. Well, the, the, the novel I've read, the yeah. one that is published Cha-ching. and available. <laughs> From Argo Bookshops. <laughs> Argo Bookshops. There are two, um, n- not competing, but two differing like world world views, mm. and very much in White Lies, which is your novel. Like that's the perspective shifts between chapters throughout. That's it's the sort of discourse between those two things. Yeah. Um, and I don't know how you're structuring your second one, but it sounds very much it's built on those two sort of uh, world views between which there is clearly a tension. Yes. Or, yeah. 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 Oh, that's interesting. I was telling someone uh, about a story I'm writing and she sort of said, oh, oh, of course, every story is about that for you or something like that. And I was Ooh. like, oh, God, yeah, it is. <laughs> in a nicer way, in a more ha-ha-ha-ha, isn't uh-huh. that funny? Um, but then I kind of thought, yeah, it really is. And I, yeah. and I thought, am I just... Am I bereft of original thoughts? <laughs> no, they feel but... <laughs> different enough. But... I think they are, though. That that's right. the thing. You can write about the same thing again and again and again, mm. and it's always different. And people do, don't they? Yeah, and I don't think they necessarily realize realize they're doing it either. Yeah, which is when you go, oh, <laughs> oh, that's what I'm writing about. Do you think? Um, do you think knowing that and being comfortable that helps? Yeah, I definitely figured it out with this one earlier than the last one um and that's sort of informing how I write it as well which hopefully will turn out to be a good thing (laughs) (laughs) I'm not too heavy-handed bashing the message um but I think it's it's helped knowing what the characters are about to go okay this is your worldview and this is your worldview um and then that informs how you react and how you behave and I have to change your mind and I have to change your mind somehow throughout the course of the book. So that's the sort of challenge. Yeah. Whereas I think the first one, everyone's just misanthropic and hates everybody. <laughs> Which is perhaps where I was when I wrote it. Maybe you were going through some things. I think I was going through some things, Paul. Um, Can we talk about Writers HQ a little bit? Yes. Writers HQ is a writing organisation where... Uh, self-described as the scruffy nerve herders of the literary establishment Um, and it wasn't about seeing a niche and filling it um, from a sort of money-making point of view but more that that, that that's what we wanted and that's what we needed and it didn't exist so we created it Um, and it started with my business partner Sarah Lewis um, who set up a writing one day writing retreat in Brighton of which there are none uh, that we know of locally. Because they're all weekends away, long weekends, Mm. very expensive, kind of impossible for anybody who doesn't have any disposable income, has children, is working, studying, has other commitments, has health issues, you know, millions of reasons why they can't go on these lovely writing retreats that we wish we could go on Mm. um so we tried to make it a bit more accessible and at the time i had we both had nine month old babies and i've been looking for a writing group in london uh, in brighton sorry 
for ages and not found one that I sort of felt comfortable in. And so I emailed her immediately saying, where have you been all my life? And that's sort of how our friendship began. That was your meet cute. Uh, oh, and also, can I, can I pop out to breastfeed halfway through? She was like, yes, I'm doing the same thing. Brilliant. So it was that instant, okay, this is a very happy, accessible space to be in. My, found my people. Yeah. And then um, she eventually stopped charging me to come because I did the washing up. And then, <laughs> um, and then she went off to have another baby and asked me to take over Brighton and she said I've been Worthing and then she was made uh, redundant and we kind of had the conversation about why don't we make this a thing that we do and somehow pay ourselves for mm. um, beyond the retreats. And so we got an Arts Council grant and we set up a sort of suite of online courses Again, sort of, <sighs> I try not to criticise anybody directly here, but we, it was our belief that a lot of the literary world can be kind of elitist and you feel like you either need to have an English literature degree or an MA, creative writing MA, or lots of money to access these things and I didn't have either at the time. Sarah had a maths degree. She did have an MA. Mm. Uh, and so we, we kind of thought we, we want to make something that people can access in that half an hour after bedtime with a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of having to hoik across town to go to a workshop or something. Mm. And it turns out it suits a lot of people in lots of different situations you know yeah. people who physically can't get down to a workshop um or can only work in short bursts or you know have three kids and two jobs and i had three jobs two kids and was studying a degree at, the, at that time so it was not a lot of spare time to go and do a creative writing course we're trying to scoop up all the people who find yeah. it really hard to make time for themselves and to prioritize their writing time which is something we really found with the retreats um is that people came to us saying i would never have done this even if i had the day to myself yeah. i would never have sat down and written this much because i would have gone and done the washing up or i would have felt guilty and done something else yeah and it's this guilt that people feel about enabling themselves to do something creative like it's so low down on your priority list because there's no immediate feedback and there's no immediate reward and everything you do especially with writing is on spec because mm. <laughs> no one's gonna come and give you a biscuit afterwards well we are actually we do give out biscuits quite a lot of the treats as you know and gold stars <laughs> um but yes yeah, so it's back to that self-belief you have to think well am i worth it and um, is this yeah. worth investing my time in um, there's there's so much in that that um i admire and uh i think is really valuable we were talking a little bit earlier about this uh metaphorical cabin in the woods idea of yes. what writing and a writer's existence is and mm -hmm. this is like this pure <laughs> sense of retreat from everything to do writing and how much yeah. that is actually at once a fallacy and also an idea that in some way or another a lot of people carry about what doing yeah. air quotes real writing is. <laughs> real uh, writing yes That's such a yeah and and the idea that we have often about people who are writing or we perceive to be doing that 
you know, well or air quotes properly <laughs> is that that's their thing. And then you mm-hmm. find out, oh God, you work in an office five yes. days a week or <laughs> you have to work at saying, you know, people are fitting in around yeah. meeting their other life needs and yeah. stuff. But what I think is really good about what you and Sarah have done is through listening to what your own need is and valuing meeting that need enough to take action you've also created an opportunity which has resonated with lots of other people and that's why I think the retreats and everything you do as successful as they are because it's real like it's you kind of honoring the reality of your own situations and that's true for other people as well yeah I think we it is a sort of cabin in the woods but a real Mm. one because it is just this people turn up and they that even though it's all on the listings that you know we're going to give you as much tea and coffee as you can drink all the biscuits we're going to feed you lunch we're going to turn off the wi-fi you literally have to do nothing but write Mm. and we'll give you gold stars and we'll help you and we'll talk to you and you're in a room full of writers which is really sort of inspiring space because we all think the same and if you've got a problem you can shout out and someone will give you good advice and um and uh yeah people people sort of fall over themselves to thank us. <laughs> like, oh, these sandwiches are so nice. It's like, dude, just, it's fine. <laughs> you know, just have another cup of tea. And they try and help wash up and, you know, we have to bat them away. And, and, um, and they, uh, in a massively broad generalisation here, uh, as you know, probably 90% of our attendees are female um, at mm. the retreats. Lots and lots of women, usually a token bloke or two. We love you. Um, it's all right, I'm, I'm only there for <laughs> diversity. Yeah, for diversity, exactly. Uh, we have our quota. And, um, and it's, uh, it, I don't want to say it's easier for men to find writing time because that's a massive lie, I think. I think women generally, air quotes, don't value their time or prioritise their time, especially when it comes to writing, especially women who have children. Mm. Um, and also we get a lot of women who are retired um, or whose children have moved out of home and they've finally gone, I'm going to do, do something for me. And this is a new experience for them, mm. doing something just for them because um, they've spent their life working and looking after children and doing things for other people. and. Um, suddenly it's their time and we get a lot of mums whose children have just emerged from that phase (laughs) where they're a literal leech and uh you 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 emerge going oh i am a human (laughs) i have an identity of my own Mm -hmm. i'm not an attachment of this parasite um (laughs) i love my kids uh and and you go oh yeah I can do things and I want to be creative and I want to channel this stuff into things that aren't CBBs and, and changing nappies and stuff. So um, I think for women especially, it's sometimes you really have to beat it into them and say, yes, you're allowed to write. Come and write. Yes. You can write at home. You can tell your partner to bugger off with the kids for the afternoon and you can write. That's fine. You've, you deserve that. Yes. Um, it's a really difficult thing to get people to understand yeah, and, and especially, I, I, I suppose, when it's a complex thing, well, clearly there is um, something that's noticeable, evident that um, many of the people who come to retreats are women, 
Um, and then that does make me think, well, you know, what does that say about um, where those those people might be at? And, and is it any different to where men are at? Or are they just in a different room somewhere, <laughs> figuratively? Um, well, yeah, I, I, it's a really hard generalisation to yeah. make. Because obviously, you know, uh, men come up against the same issues. Mm. And I think a lot of men don't prioritise their writing as well. I think that, you know, the arts generally is, is seen as a luxury, but I think, going back to that fundamental human truth, why are humans here and why are we, you know, at all elevated above our animal functions in that we create art? That is the one, mm. pretty much the thing we do. That is what we do. We art. And that's what separates <laughs> us from <laughs> a beetle. Um, and, you know, you, I think you do have to feed that in whatever whatever way you you can and if you're not creative but you love listening to music well then music's a massive part of your life and you need to listen to music and I get really depressed when I don't write yeah um and I realize that that's something that I need in my life it is a base need otherwise I go a little bit crazy um and on the idea that there's not any worth placed on that from a societal view um and that prioritising your time, whether you're a man or a woman, and whatever else you've got going on, I sort of always relate it to any other sort of hobby, air quotes, um, <laughs> you know, or sport. Um, like my husband plays cricket. That is a base need for him. If he doesn't play cricket, he gets really depressed. Mm. And so, you know, it's a, it's a part of our routine. It's part of our life. And that's cool. I'm fully on board with that. And he gives me the same in respect with writing. Um, but say you wanted to learn a sport, you wanted to learn rock climbing, or you wanted to learn the piano, you'd say, this is my new hobby. I'm going to dedicate a certain amount of hours each week to this thing. Yes. And no one would ever make you feel guilty for learning the piano or learning mm. a sport. But somehow writing, like, I need to just shut myself away in a room for two hours and write. Yeah. That becomes... Do you have a take on why, or do you have a take on how people see those as being different? I do think it's because it's there's no immediate result. Mm. <laughs> that you don't shut yourself away for two hours and come back and say, read my story. Um, because most writers would go, oh, just stared at the blank page for an hour and a half and then I wrote 200 words which are absolute crap and you're never reading them. Um, whereas you play the piano and go, hey, look, I can play this, the, the entire, the entirety of Fur Elise now. Come and listen to me play. Um, you know, or I scored five goals today. Hey, there's an instant, maybe it's, uh, a case of the and, instant gratification. And an um, outward manifestation that someone else can actually, <clears throat> kind of yeah. In, yeah, more easily appreciate. Yeah. I can see you, yes, you can play that much more yeah. than you could yesterday. Whereas writing, well, I'm really wrestling with the, uh, the second act at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> my themes. My themes. Paul, I can't remember yeah, my, my like, themes. Yeah, my themes. Yeah. Um, yeah, have you ever tried to describe your plot to someone who's not a writer? <laughs> and they go, okay. I've forced myself to start doing that a lot recently. Like, actually try and tell the, you know, the, well, it's the logline thing. Yeah, that's um, good practice. It is really good practice. That's one of the... Uh, Things that you can learn a little bit more from Cha-ching. the right Q suite of uh, courses. <laughs> it's true. Um, 
What's the journey been from, or have you had a journey from, I'm going to make a living as a writer to starting to think a bit more laterally about how you use those skills and nurture yeah, yourself definitely. and also, you know, yeah. um, earn a living from it? Yeah, so I uh, have had a lot of jobs. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And at some point I was writing a novel alongside a very non-writing job and went, wouldn't it be nice to earn some money? From writing, what sort of job can a writer person do? And fell into copywriting and editing and proofreading, which I do love. I love love editing other people's work because it's not mine, and um, it's just much easier. Uh, and so I freelanced uh, in that sort of area for a while. I worked for an agency doing more corporate stuff, um, and then. Uh, yeah, and then Writers HQ was definitely a manifestation of those three needs. So was mm. it making money, yeah. uh, providing work to others, mm. and your own learning, your own creativity? Or, yeah, yeah. yourself in some um, way. Yeah, kind of equally, really. Mm. I mean, obviously, we wanted to make a living, um, but we're very much we've we've been criticised by many, uh, for not charging enough, which I think we're quite proud of. Um, because the whole point was making it affordable yeah. um, as, as people who don't have a lot of money <laughs> ourselves. Um, they were like, no, we, we had so many people saying, you could charge 400 quid for this, 500 quid for this. And looking at comparative courses, we're like, yes, yes, we could. And then the people that we're trying to aim them at wouldn't be able to afford them yeah so what's the point we'd, we'd just be like everybody else you know so we that's why we tried to get the arts council grant that's why we're not millionaires right now we're trying um so actually it's, it's more about the numbers for us like, as in the number of people that we can help the more people we can help mm. then we can keep things as affordable as possible and we're trying to get some wealthy benefactors as, uh, you know, going back to, you know, let's go back to the 16th century where artists had patrons, mm. yeah? And you wrote a sonnet about a beautiful young youth. Uh, and <laughs> As a place for an old youth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> as, uh, which is what Shakespeare did. That's how he made his money. Before. You know, he didn't make any money off his plays. He made his money off writing um, homoerotic poetry to young gentlemen um, for many, many years. Let's go back to that. <laughs> I didn't realise that. Yeah. Oh. Most of his sonnets are for a, a bloke. Yeah. And they're beautiful for it. Wow. Uh, which which uh, scholars are still trying to say, um, no, surely yeah. it was about a woman. So how you talk about what Writers HQ is there to do and who it's for seems to be a guiding light in how you make decisions about what you will and won't do yeah. about how you progress it definitely um and when you talk about the idea of like finding a benefactor that's what i'm sensing is being a bit creative about that and not being so black and white about it and being guided by a sense of what's meaningful to you about what you're doing is more important than cashing <laughs> in basically <laughs> i wish it were different but no it's mm. uh, yeah um and I think there's a there's a lot in the news at the moment. You know how how the arts is in theatre as well, and sort of all areas. I think you know it's it is a privilege 
um, for a lot of people who have the means to do so, who aren't scraping together, you know, pennies for the electric meter after working two back-to-back jobs. When do they have time to write the novel? Mm. You know, it's just, mm. it's, uh, you know, we're, we're pretty darn privileged ourselves. We can't ignore that, the fact that we're able to do this. So, yeah, that's, that's very much at the forefront of what we do because I think there's enough, there are enough opportunities for people who can afford to do what they want to do. Mm. And there's not for the, for the rest. Mm. So, but you know, it's uh, we've tried to get arts funding. It's it's hard, uh, and it's being cut. Yeah. Um, and I think the whole crowdfunding revolution is partly a sad thing that it's come to this that people are having to crowdfund, you know, for healthcare. <laughs> in America mm. and crowdfund funerals sometimes, you know, that, and um, the arts doesn't quite compare to that, but that we're having to crowdfund art. Mm. But on the other side, it's a great thing because it's, it's a new way of giving power back to the people who want this mm. stuff. And um, yeah, we are trying to introduce a sort of pay it forward thing. So it's like, look, if you can afford our courses or you can afford a retreat and actually you can afford a little bit more, stick in an extra fiver and we'll put that towards somebody who can't. Um, mm. We're trying to sort out our bursary scheme. Um, but yeah, obviously all this needs funding, um, which is our main concern at the moment, mm -hmm. as well as looking after our existing students is to how do we actually reach the ones who need it. The other thing people say they like about Rides HQ, apart from the swearing, <laughs> really love the swearing. They do. Some people really don't like the swearing, but then we filter out those people and that's fine. Um, <laughs> very, very quickly. Yeah, it's this aspirational, you know, the aspirational meme that writing, like, writing Cabin in the Woods, it's all beautiful and there's sunlight pouring <laughs> through your window onto your coffee as you're sitting, just wearing, you know, pop socks and a man's shirt in bed. So I've got this real vision going on here. <laughs> That's really how, fleshed out. Yeah, it's basically all the writing memes that you see is yeah, some beautiful made up woman. Yeah. Um anyway, that's not how I write. But um that that writing is is oh, it's this beautiful <laughs> channeling of creativity and it just pours out of you and it's wonderful and if you get up at five in the morning and do yoga and <laughs> then write, then you're you're gonna you're gonna get there. And our take on it was Writing is awful, <laughs> like most of the time we're miserable and writing is really hard. No, it's really hard and everybody struggles and, but it's worth it because you love it and you've got this story in your head and you're trying to hammer it out and ah, this is the process, um, which I think people needed to yeah. hear. Well, to come back to that dose of realism about it, how have you been helped or what is it about the help that you see that others need that speaks to you and your experience? Because I have this theory that the ways in which we want to help others are the ways that historically we could have benefited from ourselves mm -hmm. or really recognised the value in. 
So what have I helped? How have I been helped? Hmm. Um, you know, I've had some really, really great sort of mentory, teachery people, and not always sort of from the writing world. Like I had a couple of English teachers that I always remember who were, you know, I wrote a lot as a kid. I ripped off Star Wars and wrote a 200,000 page novel when I was about 13. It was terrible. Wow. It was great. It was terrible. Um, <laughs> and my English teacher, bless him, Mr. Thornton, he, um, he set up an after school writing club pretty much for me because no one else came. <laughs> and he sat and he, he read through my terrible novel with me after school every Wednesday or whatever it was for about a year and he was so sweet and it was just like I think it's that recognition like what you're doing is not pointless even if you're 13 and it's terrible it what I uh, am putting worth on this for you and yeah I think it's just that recognition another teacher I wrote <laughs> I used to be obsessed with westerns as well <laughs> so I wrote a couple of western films screenplays as well and they were terrible. And bless them, my English teacher, she read them and she gave me feedback. And, uh, yeah. And then when I was 16, I won a writing competition with The Guardian. And, uh, and my Latin teacher, he, I came in, it was after my GCSEs, and I came in and gave him a copy of the book, because he'd always really been encouraging. And he stopped the lesson, and he read the story to his students right there and then. And I was like, that is the, the loveliest then it's prioritising, you know, your writing. It's like, yes, that matters. I'm going yes. to stop everything and read this now, because yes. that's important to me. Um, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, some good teachers. And oh, that's wonderful. Like, real valued encouragement. People actually yeah. took the time to recognise what was important to you. <laughs> Clearly yeah. important. 200,000 words important. That's it. And I, it's not about the quality. It is that it's important to another person. Mm. You know, and if a kid comes up and says, I drew a picture, you don't go, yeah, well done. You <laughs> that's, go, that's nothing like a house. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Why did you use red? <laughs> uh, you go, whoa, you know, tell me about it. Because like, I'm not quite sure what it is. Tell me about it, you know. And, yeah. And you foster that excitement, and that's what makes them want to do it more. Yes. Like, I don't think we lose that, do we? Yeah, so I can see that the encouragement thing and mm. going out of your way to go to encourage. Yeah. It sounds was... like you've had a, quite a few touchstone moments in your kind of writing uh, life um, yeah. where that's really made a difference to you. Yeah, they were. I think I was really lucky. I mean, I'm not. I think that there was still that determination because mm. that was sort of. It was just what I did. I just yeah was just wrote constantly as a kid, and that's just what I did. And I don't think I would have stopped doing that. But they were definitely yeah encouragement that you're not alone and you're not just throwing this into a void. Yes. That actually it comes back, you know. Um, and it's not about being published either. I think I, you know, there's a lot of pressure put on writers that you're not a real writer unless you publish something. And, you know, this quest for publication, and if you do keep getting rejected, you know, how do you keep going? And I've always, my, this determination has always been, you know, even if it never happens for me, even if I never make it, or whatever, do I want to look back on my life and go, well, I spent my life writing stories and, you know, getting better as a writer, and I wrote 
hundreds and thousands of stories and mm. even if none of them were ever published like that's kind of that's a good life I'm happy with that I don't want to look back and go well I tried to write some stories and then I gave up because nobody wanted to publish them yes and then the rest of your life is what not doing the thing that you love yeah well so. and, and that's I wonder if that's a bit of a mindset thing because it valuing that the act of doing it is worth more than what someone else tells you it's worth. Yeah. Basically your own sense of why it's important is yeah. the is the the measure for whether it's worth doing. Yeah. Um, and in yeah. the world of self publishing as well, you know, and crowdfunding, it's not traditional mm. publishing is not the only way. Um, it just depends kind of again, it's what you put into it, really. Yeah. And the well and the encouragement thing is important. But your teachers and those people who helped you along your way perhaps only need to encourage you because you were doing it. Yeah. It, they, yeah. You were putting something out there or creating something that um, was um, a bit of a manifestation of what you enjoyed doing. Yeah, yeah. So, and I found that with Rice HQ as well because we, um, on our sort of, we, so we have a novel plotting course and an editing course and short story course, and so we read a lot of our students' work. Um, and especially with the novel plotting one, because they come, they start with an idea and then they flesh it out until they've got an outline, and it's it's the best thing <laughs> as a sort of teacher, you know, enabler, host, whatever we are, um, that we get to see these ideas just develop into an actual story, and it's and then we and then we watch them write it, and then we watch them edit it, and then one of them is off to get published soon. So we've seen it from its inception to the finished article and it's and you know some of these stories if if someone told me the blurb you know cold open I would say ah oh, sounds interesting not really my kind of book probably won't read it but having been involved in that process yeah. and knowing these characters really well and you know reading stories and genres that I don't normally read or whatever you know you just that's opened up this love general love of fiction no matter what the oh, story really? is about, and that's broadened my reading as well. Um, I was I was interested in what the effect of being in that space is all about. Not you know, in terms of your own writing and about how it's influenced you. So there's a thing about it's just broadened your yeah. sense of what you might be interested in reading. Is there anything else that you kind of take from um, doing the Writers HQ stuff? Just how supportive writers are to one another as mm. well, because it's thought of as a really solitary. Of pursuit, isn't it? And yes, the the tortured genius artist alone <laughs> in his cabin, <laughs> and it really it takes a village. And it and what's interesting um, is that when people write totally different genres, you know, someone can be writing sci-fi, another one is very heavy literary, another one is writing a sort of romantic comedy, someone's writing a script. You know, it doesn't matter because actually the writer brain is universal and mm. we all think in stories and you get a group of writers together somebody has a plot problem and it's incredible how everybody rushes in to help and has really great ideas even if they write something totally different yeah and even if they would never in a million years pick up that other person's book yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter there's no snobbery and there's no elitism and yeah it's it's a real grounder when yeah. you break stories down to their fundamental parts, everyone can contribute to any story. It's yeah. really interesting. You know, when you're working on something, if it means so much to you and you're struggling with it so much and it's so important, you've got to get it done, 
and it, that's the same for every writer so I, I, it's not much of a leap really to then think yeah. well if that's true for me it will be true for others and I, I can really help this person yeah. and it will mean a lot to them um, do you have a, a, pra- a writing practice <laughs> Um, <laughs> yes, I get up before every morning. Get, no, it's um, an hour earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I wish I did. I don't. I I'm very into. Um, <laughs> I'm very into the concept of writing cycles at the moment, which hopefully isn't too sort of uh, wafty. Mm. Uh, <laughs> Or something. How do you <laughs> describe a writing cycle? Uh, well, for me, it, and uh, <laughs> from a female point of view, actually, it does tie into the whole menstrual cycle. Oh, really? In that there are times, and I, but I, I am convinced that there is a male cycle of some sort as well. Just judging by my husband's moods, I think that there the are the menstrual cycle. The menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. I, and I think it's probably true of anybody that we go through periods where we are really creative and everything just works and you're like fucking go for it and there are times where you cannot write a word to save your life (laughs) and everything you write is terrible and you just want to die and there are times where you're really analytical and actually you can't write but you can pick apart your plot and you can plan and you can Mm. do some research and that's actually really productive and other times when you are so depressed that you can't even consume media that no book is interesting, no TV show holds your attention, you just are this blank hole. So yeah, (laughs) there are cycles, and I do think we all probably go through these cycles, and it's about recognising, am I actually capable of writing right now? Mm. Yes, okay, I'm in a really juicy, creative moment, I'm going to make the most of this, and prioritise my writing, and another time... Okay, I'm probably not going to get many words done, but I'm going to look over my notes, and that's going to be useful. So it's about productive procrastination, yeah. even if you're not writing. You can still be thinking about your story. You can still be talking about your story or researching your story. Yeah. And it's not about words. It's not about word count. It's about just keeping it ticking over. So when you can write, you're there and you're ready. Yeah. Because I think people get put off when they have a dry spell or a really tough time, you know, and the blank page is looming at you, that they give up and they go, well, that's it, I, I can never write again. Yeah. I'm just, I'm done. I'm failure as an artist. <laughs> and the following week they might be full of it. So, yeah. Yeah. There's this. Cycles, man. Cycle. I, I like that. <laughs> and I, I really, my experience is the same as that. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, Everything, everything I touch turns to gold, yeah. and then everything I touch turns to shit. Yeah, um, and it's probably a lot to do with stress, you know, and, mm. and work, and what other responsibilities, and what's going on in your personal life, you know, it's yeah. just, it doesn't have to be connected to the moon. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but there are, and there are different aspects, there are different facets to writing, you know, mm. like you say, the, the more sort of open, generative space, the analytical space, and all, yeah. you know, those different things, and recognising where you're at. And yeah. what you could productively do or not at all yeah. um, is really important. So I guess having a sense of where yourself is and being kind to yourself a little yes, bit. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's um, another nice thing about Writers HQ is that you've sort of got that community rallying around. That you know, mm. if you're not having a great time, 
you got someone going, yeah, me too, it's shit, isn't it? Yeah. You know, or I got two reject. we've been counting our rejections as well on the Facebook yeah. group. And, you know, and it, instead of a, oh, I got a rejection, people are like, cha-ching, two rejections this week. How many have you got? And I love it's, that. Gamifying it's, it rejection. Is. It's turned it into yeah. a positive thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> what kind of advice would you give to someone who's in that, like feeling that locked, frustrated kind of, I'm writing it, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose we all sort of start off like that. I think I think that's really the, the detachment from the whole doing a, an English degree and then a creative writing MA, because that's obviously a very clear path for somebody mm. who has an intention and then they're following that and, you know, they've got a route. And, I mean, I didn't go that route and I didn't, I was, you know, 11 when I started writing stories, so I kind of didn't have anything in mind and I didn't have anyone to tell you. I think reading is the best teacher, really. I mean, I, <laughs> our, our generation of English literature uh, at school was not about verbs and grammar. I only knew what a noun was when I took GCSE Latin. Um, I'm still fuzzy on what noun Yeah, it was, whereas my children are, uh, are like, uh, Mum, do you even know what a split digraph is? No. Um, <laughs> I actually, that was it. Do you even know what an adjective is, Mum? <laughs> Fuck you, child. Um, uh, for, yeah, I do know what an adjective is now. But yeah, so it was not the way we were taught. But, um, yeah, everything I know about writing, I, I got from reading books. Just read books. Read lots of books, as many books as you can read. <laughs> and lots of different books as well. Um, and, yeah, I think it's, it is hard to, to get that feedback or get that influence when you're not but I, in that world. What is that world? I don't know that there is a writing sort of mm. world. <laughs> And I think that's that's the fear, isn't it? That it's this far away, slightly elitist, mm. imaginary space that you can't possibly break into. Yeah. When there's a lot of us on the ground floor just sort of muddying about, doing our thing. And that probably is the world, perhaps. It's the real you're, world, you're, yeah. You're, you're in the world if yeah. you're doing it. It's just finding other people who are doing yeah. what you're doing. and. And like I think we started off saying like we have no idea what we're doing. <laughs> we don't really know what we're doing. We're just trying to pass on what we know. Mm. We give good advice. We don't necessarily follow it. Like <laughs> 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 do as we say, not as we do. Um, and we'll all help each other. You know. I think that's a great point to <laughs> to end our conversation. We know nothing. Is <laughs> the crux of it. I think that is. Uh part of what it is to be human. <laughs> yeah. I like what you did We there. know nothing, but we've got to get on and share what little yeah. we know. And all there is is love. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's lovely. Yeah. Thanks, Joe. No problem. Thank you. All right. <laughs>
back, coming back out of the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> oh, seriously. Obviously, I'm biased. I was in the room. I was asking things that I was interested in. But I think that's a really great chat. I think all of the people I've spoken to and I spent time with, it's been absolutely inspiring and encouraging and just time well spent go uh, check out joe's book you can buy it online you can buy it in like a shop i loaned it out from jubilee library in brighton if you live down there check it out it's called white lies um and also check out writers hq if you're a writer in need of a jump start or to connect with some good guidance or some encouraging people then it's a really great place to have a look and they have uh, stuff going on all around the southeast and beyond i think i can't believe this is uh this is the seventh episode already wow still several more to come in this run of a number of them <laughs> uh yeah so uh please come back and listen and hey, if you uh, if you like it, if you like the podcast, share it. Let someone know. Be nice to hear from you. All right. Okay. Well, you take care of yourselves. Okay. You wrap up cool out there. And uh, <laughs> I'll be here next time talking to myself. <sighs> wow.